Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, a game call company that is legend by design. If it's not good enough for my lanyard folks, it's definitely not good enough for yours. Well, folks, today is October 8th. It's opening day of uh, goose season in the south zone, southern zone here in Iowa. I, uh, this morning, I wasn't able to go. I was doing a men's prayer breakfast at a church, and sometimes you got to take priority. And uh, But I did have a lot of my brothers out there sending me pictures and videos. Uh, did some good hunting and pounded some birds using our calls, and uh, it was a beautiful morning. We got uh, weather dropped, and I think we're getting some north winds here, and which is always important in getting some new birds in the area. But, um, you know, I'm excited about this season. Um, it's going to be really curious what it's going to turn out to this year uh, with the w- amount of water that we've had. And I don't think it's going to amount in much to the to the geese as it is to the ducks. And, ducks uh, and our duck is going to open, I think, the 15th. So it's a week from today. Our duck season, I think, is going to open up down here. And, which we don't have very, very few mallards, and we have a lot of empty potholes. I did a, the Dan Young, his show this morning, his radio show this morning, we early uh, after our prayer breakfast, he, I did it in the church parking lot, but we were talking about that, and he was telling me about a lot of the birds that they were seeing up in Alberta. He was up there moose hunting, and uh, there's just, he was his first time, I think, really being up there in Canada this time of year, and it was just overwhelming, and it is. It's uh, if you're truly a diehard waterfowler, if you you owe it at least once to go up to Canada and uh, try to hunt the Canadas and and hunting the geese and hunting ducks, because you see about every species. And man, when when it's good, it's good. You you'll never experience the amount of birds and the amount of action that you'll see and have up there in Canada. Um, I doubt it would be for me, and I don't want to get into politics, but I probably won't be be up in Canada for quite a while. And, and uh but anyway what i worry about here guys are telling me that that, hey man i'm uh, seeing a lot of birds uh you know early or we're seeing more amount and i'm seeing a ton of the molt migrators uh earlier than what i normally see and i'm seeing that both the eastern side and western side of canada and uh, what bothers me is that uh, the birds are moving Uh, i think we're going to have a either early hard winter quick or we're going to have a long, cold, hard winter. But either way, I think it's, it, the, the winter and the cold is going to come quicker, which is it's good for me, as long as it don't stay too long and freeze up. And But uh, it's going to be hard here, like I said, uh, holding the birds, and especially the ducks, is the, the drought that we've had. And uh, one of our refuges here, they've been told this morning radio show that they, they're going to close it off because of lack of water. And uh, it's, they're going to have to postpone it. It's it's hard to do, and they had to make that call. But it just they're they're not holding the birds in there, and the birds are going to be too uh, concentrated what what water they do have. And so it's sad to see, and I, I'm feeling that for the same thing for pretty much a lot of the southern Iowa here. And I don't know what the northern state's been like in the amount of rain, but uh, we had our horses shooed here last week, and. You know, at least we started getting some water here, and I think the last two weeks we might have got close to five inches of rain, and maybe it was the last three weeks or so, whatever. But man, we were taking whatever we could get for our food plots and for the water holes, and and uh, we drove about a half hour south to our farrier there, and it was bone dry. I mean, it's just hit and miss, and and I don't know what Oklahoma and Kansas is going to be like. It's going to be interesting. So. Uh, I hope that we start getting a lot of rain, and that can happen. I mean, we, we've we've seen falls where it's been dry, and I've seen October and early November just it rained for ten, you know, nine days straight one year. I shot a big buck, 
oh, it was October 4th, the first time, it was the first, earliest I've ever shot a big deer. It was a 160-inch eight-point. And I had camera pictures of him all year, and October 4th, I put an arrow into him, and I shot him back. And as uh, so he was moving, and I hit him back, and I definitely hit him in the paunch. And the next day, we went in to get him, and we, we I wore waders. It started pouring that midnight, and it was nine days straight. 11 inches of rain, I think it was, but ended up finding that buck in the creek, and it was tough. But, you know, like I said, it, it can come, and and uh, so we definitely need the rain, and we'll see what it holds up for the season. But uh, I'm excited about goose and, and ready to get out there. And, and um, you know, I'm always, I, I love to bow hunt and love the whitetails, but, you know, legendary gear with all the new stuff that we got coming out and the excitement and Waterfowl Magazine coming out and, you know, both the categories, duck and goose, both our calls were top of the list as one of the top new calls for 2022, and that's exciting. And and uh, so it's really got my heart pumped. We've got a new pup that we want to get out there and get him some action. And, you know, I missed that when I, old buck, everybody that knows me back in lynch mob days, know old buck who traveled, buck the wonder dog, traveled the country with me. We put a little camera on top of his head, and he was a little rock star wherever we went. He was my best buddy, he traveled the country with me. I know a lot of weekends and late nights that we pulled into truck stops because of icy weather and slept in the back seat together and daylight come would be on the road again to go hunt with somebody somewhere and, and uh yeah it's it'd be hard to place but this new pup he he's got his own personality and his, he's different and and uh but it, you know what i surely missed hunting with a dog it is uh totally changes things so hopefully down here in iowa i'm uh, be able to do some pheasant and quail hunting uh, with him down here. I missed that year. I grew up in Michigan. We didn't really have geese back in those days, so it, we did a lot of small game hunting. I grew up, you know, uh, pheasant hunting. My dad always had English pointers, and, you know, it, it was a love of mine hunting quail and pheasants, and we ate a lot of them, and, and uh, then the, with, I don't know, with the extensive farming where they cut out ditch rows and, you know, cut out a lot of the, the, the CRP fields, and we lost a lot of that bedding, and I think, in my opinion, the increase of the avian predators I've seen it out here in Iowa, the hawks and the owls are just decimating them. Everybody worries about the coyote and uh, coons, which they, they, they do their nest robbing. The skunks are nest robbers. But I'm telling you, I watch these uh, barn owls and I watch these hawks sitting on these fence posts and, and telephone poles and all these ditches. And I, Living close here, we have a, a good population of avian predators. And I'm just telling you, eight, seven, eight years ago when I moved out here, I would always in the spring see tons of baby pheasants and baby quail running out of the ditches and you could actually pull up some of the roads and, and park there and hear them in the weeds moving around that's how many but I will sit there and I've watched these birds sit up there and I'm just our population is, is really gone to zilch and um, so it's that's an issue and I don't know how you handle it but uh, like I said the coyote the, I think the coyotes more on the deer and, and everything else but the avian predators are sure are wiping out and I think the, the owls are destroying our turkeys too along with the raccoons but that's a podcast for a different day but i'm gonna get back on here and get focused and talk about this early season goose hunting which i don't it's the early regular season and i love that this is probably one of my favorite time of the years it's not the time of year that you want to pile up big piles of birds and i've never been about that big piles i've hunted and, and guided you know a, a lot of years in my early days and you know, killing's how we made our money and how you fed your family. So you always had to be successful. And I think that's what taught me and helped me to be good because 
when you're out there just for the fun of it, you can make a lot of mistakes and say, oh, well, and you don't learn. Maybe it takes a few more times before you learn about it. But if you're going out there and this is how you're feeding your family and, you know, you learn from the one mistake and not to make it twice and trying to do the best you can, the best option and, and getting your, your clients the best shot in the shooting. And, you know, I can't help if the guys can't hit the birds and that's never been, you know, how many times you hear guys, oh, man, if I had some shooters, we'd have killed more. And to me, it's it's not that. It was about, at least my job was to present the opportunity. And as long as I pre presented the opportunity and, um, you know, the guys were always happy. As long as they got some shooting and a lot of times the, the buddies would nag and rag the other guy for not hitting. And they know when the geese were there and when everybody else is shooting them, he's not. You know, they just, but it was fun. And it was, I presented that opportunity. And that is how my thought process is at my older age. Um, I kind of carried that. And the reason I'm saying this is for you younger guys with your younger kids that you're wanting to get into it and, and everybody's worried about, you know, you're not a, a successful goose hunter and you're not hitting a certain, stat, certain status unless you're, you're posting tons of pictures with big piles of geese and hunting with, you know, 12, 13, 14 guys in there to do that. Um, I mean, to each his own. I like when I'm hunting with kids. I like to have smaller groups. I want the kids to learn something. I want them to, I don't want them to learn that it's quick draw shooting geese and they, the guy gets the goose is one who shoulders and shoots faster than the next guy. Uh, to me, it's about that kid needs to learn how to read the birds. I want him to get the opportunity that learning to shoulder that gun. You know, you don't have to shoulder as fast as you think you do. You can shoulder that gun. The point is of getting on that bird. I'd rather have two hard right you know shouldered up and, and got two excellent shots off than three shots fired without the gun shouldered properly because a lot of times it's going to be either a cripple or three misses and uh, so you know that's the time that you get out there and, and you know you can do all the practicing in the yard and the clay pigeons and, and helping the kid you know learn and shoulder that gun and that's great and i would sit there and, and i still today when i'm watching tv you put a mag light in my barrel and as i was sitting there i'm always consciously one one move one motion bringing that gun up to my eye cheek because i want that's where my eye is going to be right down that barrel and receiver down and you know so it's always that first getting it up there and it's like the batting stance you know you know that if you're batting and you pull your head you're not going to get good contact on that ball so when the head is locked down and the arms are tight and you come in and make that swing and the head stays down you know you're making contact you know you got a great swing and the rest was the rest comes with practice, being able to put the hand and eye coordination together, same way as shooting. So all that practice is good in the yard, but it still is nothing like when you put your out there. And in, even myself in the years, I still get cranked up. And when I hear them birding, law, 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 and you're sitting there, and, you're, wah, 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 and they're coming in, man, my heart still to this day. And it isn't that oh gosh, I'm gonna kill a bird. It's still like oh, this is just awesome. This is what I do it. And then, I, I, foo, 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 you know, the sound of those wings. And, dude, that's what I do it. It isn't because I'm killing and that we're feeding the whole county. You know, nobody's starving these days. And you talk to 90% of the guys, oh, I don't like them. I give them away. And then they do all this. And, you know, it's just it's a different mindset. And I said to each his own. But I enjoy this time of year because usually you've got a good influx of birds that's coming in. You've got birds that have not been pressured. You can go out and, again, I can't pre you know, uh, go cover this enough that uh, 
stress this enough that to me, you know, I'm always going out with a little bit as I can and let the birds dictate when I need more. You know, when you're piling out in that field and you're dumping a ton of bird, you know, decoys and, you know, you empty your trailer and you got 10 dozen, all your buddies laying out there putting 10, 15 dozen out there and all you're laying out in the middle of the field and everybody's calling 90 miles an hour, you know, it's good for a couple hunts, but man, you're educating birds. It makes it tough. They're going to get smart in your area and it isn't just your field. You know, they might have a, other fields are going, but it's that, that, it's that look. And trust me, decoys still have that with, with the light reflectance and it's definitely, you know, plastic is definitely, plastic and paint is definitely different than feathers and in how it reflects the sun and how they see colors. So, you know, when you're sitting there and those birds get that same look, they understand, especially the, the older ones, that they get intelligent and they definitely know, I think it's an imprint that, you know, after the, the guns start blasting, they know what that's all about. And then the older ones start getting paranoid and, and the older ones start teaching the younger ones to pull them out. And I made this uh, comment years ago. I learned this. I saw it firsthand down in um, uh, Shenandoah, Iowa. I was out there years ago. We were running snow goose hunt seven days a week. And we had a pit, big pit put in that went into this. Uh, it was on a, a dike or a dam and two ponds on both sides. Pretty good sized pond. But then we had chopped pit corn, excuse me, on the field around us. It was a Tostitos, uh, it was a well, corn that was supplied to Tostitos, so it was a white corn that they used for their, their corn chips. And, uh, well, the only thing about it is that we had floaters, we had birds out in that field, but when those birds would come in, you had some adults and juvies mixed together. I actually watched this blue goose, adult, uh, immature blue goose, just kept wanting to come in, and he was dropping, bah, bah, and he'd come in, and I watched three different times an adult goose come in and then bang that goose, hit that goose, bah, do this, this big screech and push that goose out of trying to come in. That bird circled, tried it three different times. That adult bird flew into that young bird and kept pushing it out. And I stopped and I told her, you guys watching that? I literally, those birds do communicate knowing pressure and they are teaching you know, it's it's about survival. They are trying to teach the younger ones, and they pick up and they go on quick. So understand that the more that the, our pressure and our techniques improve and, and go on, it might work for a little bit until the older, and the older ones are going to be the first ones to catch on. And then I truly believe that they're, gonna, they're just teaching the other ones that we're going. So now you're going to have a life cycle of birds, the, the ones of yesteryear, that's going to be phased out. So as, as, as time goes and, and, the, and, the, and the evolution goes, evolving, we're going to evolve to a goose, it's a new day goose. It's actually is going to be seeing everything. And that's why you're seeing a lot of guys, you know, the, the, the rise of silhouettes. You know, silhouettes was 20, 20 years ago we're hunting, but, you know, guys phase it out. You know, we phased out of that. I still like to use them at the late season. It was a different look. But you're seeing, you know, when guys start going back to that, you start seeing a lot of early success and a lot of success with, with the silhouettes and the rise of the, popul or the popularity. There's a day, and I see it in the late season down here, because these birds have been pounded, you know, from Minnesota and Wisconsin and, and all over North Dakota that get down here to southern Iowa. Um, they're after Christmas, man. It's like a different bird. It's uh, You can definitely tell they've been pressured and, they are smart and it's always and you're having evolved and you know it's funny that you always go back to the basics it seems like 
to do that. So anyway, what I'd like is, you know, when you're out here in this early season, you know, it's, I enjoy it because this is a time to get, you know, you want to get, my wife loves to go out. It's a good time to get the older people. Don't forget the older people who've, you know, might've taught you and, and when you were younger and maybe it took you along, you know, and then they get older, everybody forgets about them because maybe they're too old to help set decoys or whatever, you know, get them, take, it's your turn to pay back the, the honor of what they did, the service they did for you when you're younger. So it's time for you to pay that back. Get these old people back into hunting. Don't worry, but tell them to sit in the car. You'll set the decoys. Drive them out there if you have to into the spread and let them get into the blind. And You know what? Let them have that first shot when they come in. When the first volley comes in, hey, guys, we're going to let the old man here and the young kid here at the end, let them shoot first before we, we kick in. Give them the opportunity to to, to shoulder and what you're doing is you're you're gaining a great memory for them but you're also you're, you're setting you know they're getting you're going to be success they're going to have time to shoulder that gun and not have to worry about everybody you know they got to rush to the shot and that, that's been my experience and you know I'm, I'm a quick draw with any of them you know say when i like that doc holiday say when but you know what when I'm sitting down there, especially when you're trying to film and you get that many guys and nobody calls it, it jumps up and shoot. It's boom, 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 boom. And to me, it's, it's, I, I lost watching the working of the, the art of the bird working, the art of the call working the bird and putting them down and, or, and as not always putting them down, but getting them that 20, 30 yards and maybe they start to slide a little bit, but they pulled into that hole. And there's been times when, like I said, if I'm sitting on one end and, and, and then usually you get this if you only got one guy calling and one good caller and the rest of the guys are, you know, decoy setters and a flag, a flag runner. But, uh, you know, they'll, they'll slide over to one side. And there's times that I won't call a shot because, you know, I'm the one's the only one going to be shooting. What's the good of me banging the birds and educating when the whole, you know, my group can't get the, get their shot. So it's a lot easier with three or four guys setting up and uh, getting the birds to center up. And then I'll sit in the center um, and then trying to get, you know, them birds to center up and, you know, think about this. And when you've got a good influx of birds and say you want to hunt with 12 guys, you know, this is my opinion. And especially if you want to film that or whatever you want to do, even if you don't, you know, I like setting up with, with, uh, take four. And I've done this before when we've had eight guys, I'll say, guys, I'll tell you what, we don't have a lot of cover here, but you know, y'all like to have some good shooting here and we got plenty of birds here right now so how about we sit here and what the other guys will sit in the truck and can watch us which is really cool watching with binoculars and watching the work and a lot of times they'll tell you something that you don't see in the blind what the birds are doing behind you but uh, you know i'll put five four guys at a time in the blind and the other guys watch and i always like to say hey we get three good volleys now singles and doubles that get killed i really don't count that because uh, they don't tell anybody you know they they're they're dirt nap they're 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 taking a long nap so um you know we they get their shot they're shooting and they run out we they hurry up we bring the next four guys in and you get shooting we're done we didn't educate it's a lot easier birds are working everybody gets good shooting when you're stringing and then well when you're putting you know three a frames together and, and you've got 12 guys oh my goodness the guy in the middle and the, the shooting i've had my ears wrong so many times in my life guys that i have lost complete hearing in my left ear and so you know at the day we didn't have ear protection and and you couldn't wear earplugs because if i can't hear i can't call and it, it just you just took the battle we considered battle wounds you know so today it, but a little harder 
my wife, you know, she's always getting tired of having to repeat things and, and God love her. She, you know, some, maybe sometimes it's selective hearing, but you know, it's my hearing's definitely took a beating. And, and, um, so I'm not as much inclined to want to hunt with big groups and, and kind of protect my ears. And I've just seen so many accidents with guns, you know, through the years of guiding and so many people together, it's easy to control three or four guys. Uh, but it's really tough when you got a, ham- a bunch of people and you're trying to control and then, then you got a guy on each end. He wants to bring his dog, and the dog. Sometimes you get. I've seen dogs hit the guys, you know, and out in the pit hit hit guns. And I've seen a barrel one time. The gun, the dog wouldn't stay still. And when you hit that collie, you get excited. And of course, they paid big money for this hunt. And I'd always tell the guy running the outfitting. I said, man, if you're gonna book a guy with a dog, make sure it's just a one group. Don't ever book two different groups together with one dog, because at the end of the hunt and that dog doesn't behave, I'm probably going to end up separating somebody fighting. You know, like the old saying, uh, Phil Robertson used to say, he said, you can make fun of my duck call, you can make fun of my woman, but you make fun of my dog, we got to fight. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's just, it isn't good. And the way I've seen that same scenario, we had two different groups and the dog definitely wasn't, you know, he, he definitely tell he wasn't uh, familiar or wasn't trained to brown hunting, actual hunting uh, scenario and, and calling because every time I get the call they do that whimper you know that dog does that whimpering and little yipping and you're sitting there and just this guy's telling well that dog kept telling us man you got to keep that dog in that end keeping we got guns in this pit and when we got ready to call the shot and come up that dog got when the guys jumped up well he knocked a, a, a guy next to me his gun over and that gun as my head's out of the pit that barrel of that gun stuck in the crotch of my of my you know in my crotch and I called the hunt right then I made the dog I'm not doing another thing. The dog had to be put up and, you know, almost got my balls blowed off. So wasn't a good thing for me, but, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. It, it, it's safety. And, and even when in the few numbers of people, it's really tough. So I'm always trying to, you know, it could be fun and it's shooting, but to lose a, a family member can ruin someone for the rest of their life hunting. So I always keep that safety as always, no matter what, guys. Safety's always got to come first. So anyway, I've gone through all that. What I like to do is, like I mentioned before, if I can hunt in a terrace, if I can hunt in the peninsula, or even fence rows, if you got a fence row between two cornfields and put your deep, put your spread, put maybe a dozen on one side and a dozen and a half on the other, I'm kidding, not kidding you, and and kind of set that in a little V on both sides, and them birds could come in on the outside and they'll probably land on, on either arm of that V for the shooting. And if you want to set the V where the where the V's flowing away from you, it's a good chance you can funnel birds right into that center, but you can funnel those birds. And if they want don't want to land, a lot of times they'll bow up though and they'll come over ahead and you can get shots still, you know, 20, 30 yards straight above you in your face. And it works out perfect. And the neat thing is, you know, with, with that you can watch and see where birds are going and you got an open field that it, it's easier to follow up on the cripples. It's a lot easier for the dog to find it. But uh, I love hunting the fence rows as much as I can before I move out in the middle of the field and using a dozen and a half, using 18 decoys was always the magic number. Then you always build up. When, when it gets starts getting tougher, you build up. And another cool thing is that if everybody's taking their big spreads and everybody's blowing hard and everybody's out, in that, I am looking different than the pressure around me. You know, that's always, I'm giving them a different look. And, it, and it's always going to be a look of security and contentment. And I take that to my calling, too. You know, again, it's uh, when I'm seeing birds, you know, unless I'm hunting traffic and, you know, I will, I'm flagging. I'm always flagging first. 
And as soon as I can see one bird break, it kind of hit, keep that flag again. And I'm hitting that flag high. I'm trying to, if I'm laying down, I'm trying to get four to five feet up above and back down, up above and back down. And when those birds start coming, then you can start working that confidence call, but not going crazy. You know, I just want to, so again, I'll sit there and when I see that birds in the distance, I'll try to get on here. I'll give them a couple spit notes and kind of see what they're doing. And with a spit note, which you kind of not call, I've had so many guys that, man, I can't do a spit note. So it's real easy it, once you learn it. You're fighting it because you're not using your tongue. So your air is coming up. Remember, I've always talked about the push point. So my air is coming up from that push point, And I'm, do, 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 who, do, who, da, ha, do, who. But when my tongue is, the tip of my tongue is going behind my bottom teeth. And it's pushing, putting that pressure, using that for leverage to my bottom, inside my bottom teeth. Do, do. And then when I hit the who, my tongue slides down. And then the push point in my throat, do, who, do, who. Just get to who, to who little spit note making that noise and it sounds it's a good aggressive a lot of time it's a aggressive call of a younger goose and you'll hear a lot of geese in the air do it as well too but it, it's give that a good goosey sound and I'm, what i'm doing is running out to get a, a reaction now if those geese are look like they're gonna they like that and they're gonna keep coming i'm just gonna be a little bit sparingly on that call so i'm gonna give them a little cluck and moan <laughs> Again, that little spit, kind of working with that moan and cluck. <laughs> now I'm just doing that solid cluck. When they get out there about that 80 yards and coming in, you see I'm not getting fancy. I'm just going to keep giving that. <laughs> keep giving them that cluck and that cluck. If they look like they might want to slide, then we'll pick it up a little bit and this will sound like this. And what I'm kind of doing is after I'm clucking, I'm putting a little murmur in there. And what I'm doing is taking the tip of my tongue, putting it behind my bottom teeth, and I'm getting a And that's what I'm doing with my throat, with the tip of my tongue at the push point. So we're going to give the spit. Now they're starting to slide a little bit. Now you'll usually see them starting to turn. Now I'm not getting crazy. I'm just getting a little bit of ground murmur noise, and it's it, what you're really uh, emulating is two or three adult geese getting the the, the low uh, murmur, low aggressive sound. Once you get that, I can turn it and kind of hit a little bit of moan. And then I'll do what I call a little hiccup, and then a lot of times that's that fishing the finishing note that's going to put them in your bootstrap. So we'll we'll get that again. <laughs> you 
usually when I'm getting onto that hiccup, I've got those geese locked up and eight and coming down and ready to go and ready to kill. It really works. And again, you know, it's goose. Number one thing to remember is I'm sounding super goosey and I'm trying to keep not going crazy. I'm not, you know, when I'm talking crazy, I'm going to get back from the, the, the recording here a little bit. This is what I'm talking about, what you hear a lot of guys doing. That's what I call crazy calling. And, and I'm telling you what, if I'm hunting traffic, this is why I like a small call because I can do that finesse stuff. But if I'm hunting traffic, yeah, I'll do that. And, and if that's what it takes to get them in, you know, that's what it takes to get them in. What I'm trying to say is, though, I'm letting the goose dictate what I'm going to run. So I'm going to kind of run. We're going to do it all in one sequence so you can kind of get um, what we're doing. And you can kind of emulate and, and understand this is I'm reading the birds as they come. And that's where you'll hear a change in the note. So what I'm going to do is it'll be the the flag. Flag's going to get, oh, we got birds that are coming in. These are looked at, you know, and always, again, I've talked about that degree of angle. So what I'm saying is when you first see that birds, they're going to be, a, that should be your high point. And as they're approaching to me, you know, and you'll see this more on migrating birds because they're going to be flying a little bit higher. But as they're approaching, they should be lowering and decreasing that degree of angle, I call it. That means they're, they're coming down. That means they're on that, uh, they're on that trend. They're on that glide to make that approach coming into the hole. Uh, a lot of times, local birds, they're going to be low as it is. And a lot of times they're going to be coming. But when you see them sit there and they start gliding, they'll, flump, they'll flap and then glide with those wings. Flap a little bit and glide with those wings. Then you'll see them kind of tip right and left. That means that there's... When they're tipping right and left, what they're doing is they're using that wind to hold that position, but they're still gliding. That means that they're not pulling up. They're low enough. I mean, if they were to keep continuing, they're low enough, they're going to be shot, what I've said. So I kind of watch that tip, and what he's doing, he's doing the balancing act so he can keep that degree of coming in. But he is really probably, you know, there's no 50-50. It's like a 70-30 that he's going to finish. So this is what we'll do when we see him again. there should put them geese into your bootstraps and then the in the in your bag and at least offer some shooting and and try that's what we're always again like i've always said that, that all you can ask for is the opportunity and that's what we're trying to create so it's about creating opportunity and uh anyway guys it's going to cut it up here about for today in this podcast and just remember when you're going always remember number one hunt safe but uh Try to take a kid, try to take an old person with you, and I could be considered one of those old people, so y'all want my number, just text me, and I have an old model, have geese, we'll travel. 
but uh, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, to me, the beauty of it again, yeah, I like shooting the bird. And, and this year I'm, I'm going to a 20 gauge. Uh, Ratea sent me and my wife are both a 20 gauge and I'm very excited about it because I hear so much and I'm telling you what, I've been shooting this gun. It's amazing how well they shoot. And I'm going to stay the whole season with the 20 gauge. And uh, I'd like to hunt the ducks and geese both with it. I'm going to experiment with some shot. And uh, I will, if you guys pay attention and watch us on social media and everything, I will start evaluating products. I'm going to start, and that's one of the goals I had was, uh, you know, with all the years and experience we have, I want to start evaluating products and, you know, what's the pluses, pros, and what's the cons of it. And what really works? Is it hype or is it really true? And um, so that's what we're going to be doing this year. So I don't know what we're going to try for shells. We'll see. Um, but uh, we'll try different brands, I'm for sure, and give our evaluation, a, a true and honest evaluation, not the height of uh, what we thought and how it did. So anyway, guys, uh, next week I'm going to be talking about more of the duck hunting because we're going to open a day of duck are going to be coming in. But we'll be talking about hunting ducks and geese together. But I'll be more into the duck. And what I'm going to get into into the duck is describing the difference between hunting with a cut down and the J-frame, double our double read. And hunting with our new molded inline, the Chaos. And it's going to be, we have a single and a double. But I'm going to run both for you. And both are, are all three for you. And all three are, are very wicked and, and, and work well. And it's just whatever style. Last uh, year or so, I've been really changing to the, the cut down. I like the cut down, how it runs. I still like my double reading. It all depends on where I'm hunting. Um, but I'm going to, we'll be running all three calls and let you pick for yourself and the scenarios and situa situations where we use them. And, uh, we hope you enjoy that too. But, uh, anyway, if you're all going to be out there hunting and hitting the fields and hitting the woods, always remember hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there rain is shining all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of